For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. The T-Biz podcast and blog connect you directly to experts in the tea lands. Listen as their voices reveal the news, innovations, cultural insights, and consumer trends that most impact the industry. Paired with Tea Journey, a digital magazine for tea enthusiasts, the T-Biz portal is a global resource for everyone who loves tea. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Developers submit proposals to expand tea tourism in northwest India. The West Bengal government is evaluating 16 projects valued at $170 million. TTMe has launched a beta version of its app for tea tourists and traveling tea professionals. And Hindustan Unilever has named Rohit Jawa Managing Director and CEO. Plus, T-Biz travels to New Delhi, where Arvinda and Intheraman chats with India's top bartender. Yangdup Lama grew up in Darling in the 1980s, playing among the tea bushes, an experience that influenced his professional career as an award-winning mixologist with a special talent for incorporating tea into signature drinks. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliptia tea estates. Support Save the Children Sri Lanka. In 2019, the government of West Bengal eased restrictions for hotel and resort development on tea estates. The new projects, if approved, would create 4,571 jobs. A screening committee is evaluating plans submitted by 10 tea estates at lower elevations in the Tarai and Duars near Silgari and two near Darjeeling. In December 2020, Taz Hotels opened the Taz Chia Kutir, a successful top-tier resort on the grounds of the Makibari Tea Estate after Lakshmi Group acquired the fabled garden. Nightly rates start at uh, 32,000 Indian rupees, which is about $387, and rise to $1,290 per night. Indian Hotels Company Limited manages the property, one of 90 Taj hospitality destinations in 15 countries, part of a portfolio of 250 IHCAL hotels in 107 locations. 
The proposed 36-room Riviera Lords Resort on two acres along the Manhandana and Atista Rivers in Siliguri is more typical. The resort is scheduled to open in October 2023 and includes banquet space for weddings, a restaurant, a bar, an infinity pool, and a games room. Luxby Managing Director Rudra Chatterjee told The Telegraph, quote, There are good prospects for a hotel on the Chandbani Tea Estate and a third 60-room hotel on 50 acres near Kalampong on the Upper Fagu Tea Estate. Upper Fagu Managing Director Joy Deep Benjamin confirmed that a few medium-sized hospitality chains are interested in developing the property. Demand is increasing with high occupancy rates through this winter season, making it one of the best in a long time, according to Samir Singhal, secretary of the Darjeeling Hotel Owners Association. There are 370 hotels in the Darjeeling Hills and more than 100 homestay locations. West Bengal permits tea gardens to convert 15% of their land for tourism up to 150 acres. The cabinet has approved two of the 16 proposals, with 10 others recommended by the screening committee. Only two projects are located on the 87 gardens that comprise the Darjeeling Geographical Indication. The Indian Tea Association supports tea tourism, says ITA Secretary Arjit Raha. He told the Telegraph that, quote, the tea industry has not been doing well for some time. The government's decision to allow owners to explore other revenue streams is critical for sustaining financial viability, end quote. TTMe is a new app for tea tourists and traveling tea professionals. Katrina Wild and her colleagues at TTMe are in the beta stage of developing a smartphone app that will encourage and facilitate travel to tea gardens worldwide. Wild told TBS correspondent Rupak Goswami that curious travelers and buyers from tea businesses that source directly will find many time-saving features. Basic functions enable users to create profiles and hosts to promote virtual and live events. Tea enthusiasts in 28 countries are currently adding to the database and testing the app, which will launch on Apple, iOS, and Android later this year. Partners using the platform can access digital and financial tools to help organize educational tours and share information. According to the company, TTMe is seeking to add as many growers and producers on the platform as possible, thus giving them the space to promote themselves and make their farms more accessible and easily discovered. The main focus is tea tourism and education through consumer events that include tastings, tours, expos, seminars, and ceremonies. Wild cited, for example, a national tea board that organizes an event about sustainability or gender equality issues in their country. Everyone working or simply interested in tea can conveniently access the event on the TTME platform. Quote, the same goes for events promoting tea, tourism, or other tea culture of their respective countries, end quote, she added. To create a free account to access the beta version, visit T-T-E-A, repeat, T-E-A-M-E dot com. That's T-T-Me dot com. Biz Insight. 
Tea and Tourism, Tourist Traditions and Transformations author, Professor Lee Joliffe, writes that, quote, Travel has a rich connection with tea and has contributed to disseminating tea cultures and traditions. Tea is part of many tourist activities, whereby local tea traditions, cultures, services, and attractions are experienced. Tea producers, large and small, are selling greater quantities of tea direct to consumers. Linking producers to consumers results in a positive impact on both, according to TTME founders Katrina Wow, Gandiga Sinis, and Vadim Shikov. Tea tourism might be a perfect tool for positive social change, they write. Hindustan Unilever names Rohit Jawa Managing Director and CEO. Hindustan Unilever is the leading player with a 27.7% share of India's $4 billion tea market. Jawa, 56, will take the reins from Sanjeev Mehta, Hull's chief executive, in June. During Mehta's tenure, the company saw a fourfold rise to $75 billion in market capitalization, Jawa is currently Chief of Transformation in London at the Anglo-Dutch firm. He has extensive experience managing the company's Indian and North Asian operations. Rohit was previously Chairman of Unilever China, one of Unilever's top three markets, and he managed Unilever Philippines. The Hindu Business Line reported Rohit's experience with digital commerce could help Hull, quote, He is expected to bolster acquisitions in the direct-to-consumer space and to build up the naturals portfolio as a larger play in the company, writes the newspaper. Hull markets several segment-leading tea brands, including Brook Bond, one of the oldest and most iconic tea brands in India, Lipton's yellow label range of black, green, herbal, and fruit-infused teas, Taj Mahal, a premium brand featuring blends sourced from some of the best tea gardens in India, and Red Label, a popular household brand of black tea blends, including natural care tea. Annual turnover tops 6.6 billion U.S., about 52,700 crore, for the fast-moving consumer goods company which supplies India with home care, personal care, food, and refreshment beverages. Hull reported a net income of $1.1 billion in 2022, following a 19% increase in net profits in the fiscal year that ended March 2021. Arvinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports on this week's tea auction prices. India Tea Price Report for Sale 10 the week ending 11th March 2023. This week, tourism has come into focus. The Telegraph reported that 16 proposals were received by the state government from estates in the Darjeeling, Terai, and the Duars region. Of these, 12 related to tourism. Tourism-related proposals were on pepper and medicinal plant cultivation and the setting up of a food processing unit. Tourism development continues to draw mixed reactions from planters and industry stakeholders who are divided on how it will really impact the tea sector. Meanwhile, Assam continues to develop its tea programs, the latest being the opening of a tea stall at the Gohati railway station that will be completely manned by members of the transgender community. 
In auctions, South India saw sale 10 with nearly 3,000 tons of tea on offer with a sale volume of 80%. CTC averaged 128 rupees per kilo, while Orthodox grids did better with a sale volume of 90% and an average price of 157 rupees per kilo. There was no sale in North India. Retail prices for the early Darjeeling first flush teas that have come in are going upwards of 10,000 rupees per kilo. Drop in weather. Rain arrives in Darjeeling with hailstones seen in some places. Estates such as Chamong and Sangma post photographs of hailstones. Upper Assam is predicted to see below normal maximum and minimum temperatures with light to moderate rainfall predicted. Thunderstorm and lightning warning till the 17th of March have also been predicted. Himachal Pradesh and Uttarakhand are expected to see thunderstorms with hail and lightning in isolated places. Rains also predicted in South India in the Nilgiris and Munnar. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Nish. I grew up in an organic tea farm and founded Nepal Tea Collective in 2016. Tea is not just a beverage for me, but a catalyst for social change, sustainably empowering hardworking artisans like my parents for the past 30 years. I'm on a mission to make the whole world aware of the goodness of Nepali teas and the good that comes from supporting growers in this remarkable land. If you haven't tasted Nepali teas yet, you're missing out. Our award-winning teas are making headlines. Find out why. Visit Nepal Tea Collective's website to get a free sample of this extraordinary taste of the Himalayas. That's NepalTeaCollective.com or just send me an email at Nish. N-I-S-H at NepalTeaCollective.com Cheers. T-Biz travels to New Delhi, where Arvinda and Intharaman chats with India's top bartender. Yangdip Lama grew up in Darjeeling in the 1980s, playing among the tea bushes, an experience that influenced his professional career as an award-winning mixologist with a special talent for incorporating tea into signature drinks. Yangdip Lama is India's most famous bartender. He owns and runs Sidecar New Delhi, ranked 26th World's 50 Best Bars 2022, 14 Asia's 50 Best Bars 2022, and topping the list of India's 30 Best Bars for 2022. Under the brand Cocktails and Dreams, he runs a speakeasy in Gurgaon, a bar service and beverage consultancy, and also a bartending school. He's also at Cocktails and Dreams, the ultimate Indian cocktail book. He's been a TEDx speaker, CNBC Young Turks, recognized by Drinks International as the bar world's most influential people in the beverage industry, and is the winner of several awards, including Indian Bartender of the Year 1996 and Asia Pacific 30 under 30 in 1997. He mentors and consults for several top beverage brands. For us, though, he's a Darjeeling guy, born and raised in Darjeeling. And in recent years, he's bridged these two worlds via his tea cocktails. So here we catch up with him for a chat about Darjeeling, tea, bartending, and what a cocktail named Darjeeling would be like. Youngdup, thank you for joining us at TeaBiz. It's really nice to have you here. And I look forward to this conversation with you on Darjeeling and tea and the whole story of uh, what I read, the boy from Thailand becomes a cocktail master. But first, a quick question for you. First flush or second flush? What's your favorite, Darjeeling? 
my my favorite is always the second plush uh-huh. first is a bit too light for me <laughs> <laughs> so you were born and raised in darjeeling can you tell us a little bit of what that was like uh, so this was in the 80s i'm i'm a child of the 70s and i was in school throughout the 80s until until 1989 when when i finished my school and then went down to the plains for for higher studies i was in a boarding school all through uh and if you ask me what life was like i think it was much more simpler simplicity was i think the key at that moment and uh, all those times uh the fact that i come from a small little village within the district of darjeeling it's, it's a village called gayabari which is almost like midway on the main highway when you go to darjeeling so it's not from the main town of darjeeling uh, and the tea estate the silim hill tea estate was just about uh, 5 feet to 10 feet away from me so you know i've i've seen the tea tea garden from a very young age i could see the harvesting i didn't understand that time what it was in terms of how many times the tea was harvested and no understanding about tea but i've seen that all happen in front of me as a child we used to just hang around in the tea stayed run amongst the estate you know with with other kids from the village now i can recollect the taste of tea leaves so we just you know while playing we just pluck a few tea leaves and just kind of bite into them but at that time it is just like a playful thing to do but today when i try to recollect the flavor it's it's so nice because it's pure green tea you know absolutely unfermented and there used to be these small seeds so i still remember as a child when you were thirsty and you couldn't get hold of water anyway you just pluck one of those break it into halves it was nice and cold and inside you had like a jelly like thing but very watery and we used to just kind of drink it to those so small in small bits it was a great time you know open air blue sky <laughs> simple life and then you left darjeeling and moved to delhi was that after school after college i actually finished my plus 2 from darjeeling so till the 10th i was in a boarding school in kurshong which is again a small little town and then after that i went down to bagdogra which is like the foothills of of the darjeeling hills and that's that's where i did my plus 2 from the army school there's army base there and then after that after my plus 2 is when i went down to calcutta and did my hotel management and after that you know 3 4 years in calcutta and then into delhi what did you miss most about home at the time when you first moved to the city it was much more innocent life was much more nicer yeah. people were more gentle you know the roughness of the city did uh, take a toll on me initially i always wanted to go back even when i came to delhi my idea was to be here for a couple of years and then go back to darjeeling but then things also changed back home you know the, the situation over there the political situation over there the fact that there was a lot of instability and also unemployment was a big thing it still is and i think in the last 20 25 odd years uh, it's sad to say but darjeeling has changed for the worse i understand all the hill stations are the same from a it used to be much simpler but now it's become more commercial but darjeeling hills as as a whole overall has changed so because purely because of the political disturbance in the last 30, 35 odd years i am still very connected to my house i'm still I've, i'm rebuilding my ancestral property in that small little village i visit my village almost like uh, once in two months once in three months even now i am in the the village you know the panchayat uh, whatsapp group so i know i get all the updates i know exactly i very much participate so i'm very well connected to my village 
Uh, I tried to do whatever I can in terms of how I could contribute. Uh, I can't change the whole of the district, but at least in a small little village where I know people, you know, uh, and they respect me. So I think I try and do whatever little I can. Did you ever carry your supply of tea with you when you went to Delhi? Was tea sort of a connection to home in any way? So in the beginning when I came in, of course, I didn't carry tea. I would string, you know, it was purely about survival. The idea was to kind of figure out your your life, your career. So tea happened to me in, uh, I, think, I think, about six to one year after I started working. So I joined the Hyatt Regency in Delhi. The only hotel and I was at the bar back home. My dad used to be very, very fond of good quality tea. So he'd get tea. He'd talk about tea. He'd always talk about the leaf tea. Uh, he did not know the technical knowledge. He always said orange pico, but uh, he did not know that orange pico was a type of grading. Right? For him, orange pico was great quality tea. As a child, every time we sipped into a cup of tea, you know, because dad always spoke about it, you had the flavor in your mouth. So it was very strongly there. And then later on in Calcutta, as well as in Delhi, I was just drinking CPC, the cooked tea. Not like the way the Delhi has to drink, you know. <laughs> it is less water, more milk and less tea. I like the tea which had more tea liquor in it. And uh, so I was drinking that and I was working at the bar, the polo lounge. And interestingly, there was uh, this one packet that came into a bar, polo lounge, from an estate known as Ambutia. So Ambutia tea estate is in Kurshiong, right? So my school was almost five kilometers above town. So I always knew about Ambutia. And the moment I saw that packet, it you know, it, you feel like, oh, there's home for you. So, you know, that connect. I, I don't even remember it was first plus or second plus, but all that I remember, it was good quality leaf tea. You know, it had a premium pricing in the hotel. But since nobody knew about it, nobody would really speak about it. So the guests never got to experience it. I was the one who finished the tea over the course of the next one year, because what I would do is every time I made tea for myself at the bar, I would take a little bit of Ambodia tea and put it in my tea. And I enjoyed it. I never spoke about it to anyone. It came in a nice ceramic jar, very nice packaging. A cup of tea at the hotel at that time, the normal price of tea would be, a normal cup would be about 150 rupees. But this one was priced at almost 300 bucks. So you know, it was a premium pricing for tea. It, I'm sure it would have sold if there was a proper tea training. But since it came as a sample, probably, uh, you know, more for sampling, nobody knew about it. The purchase didn't know about it. The FNB didn't know about it. And for me also, I didn't know the technical aspect. I just knew that oh, this is tea from back home. And it tastes like tea that I used to drink when I was, you know, home. And then, therefore, I finished that tea. And after that, when I kind of settled down in Delhi, I figured out that my palate for tea was very different. I couldn't just drink the normal CTC. So then I started carrying tea from back home. And every time I go home for a holiday, I would always look for the second flush. If I did not get the second flush, then I would buy the first flush. I knew where to buy my tea. I love the market's hope second flush because it was closer to home. I'd always, you know, every time I went home, I would make an effort to drive to the to the tea room and just buy a couple of kgs of tea and bring it with me. And that was good enough for me to, you know, sustain for the next uh, six, seven months. I think I think about two years after I came into Delhi is when I started bringing tea from back home for myself. You also said you were making tea for yourself at the bar. Did you have a sort of a routine that you started your day with or was there a tea break that you looked forward to? Sometimes in the morning, the first tea may not be made by me, but definitely uh, if it is not before breakfast, the after breakfast tea is purely a tea that I make for myself. And I love tea with milk. 
uh, you know a lot of people say dajling tea fine tea you don't you should not be adding milk but to me somehow because i've been so used to drinking tea with milk right from my childhood years the moment there's no milk i feel that there's poverty so for me <laughs> <laughs> milk is something that i'm uh, very much fond of in my tea uh, when i have so specifically tasty is when i don't add the milk but if i'm just enjoying a cup of tea i would prefer it with not a lot of milk but some amount of milk when i started working in the hotel i used to drink at least 2 to 3 cups of tea during those 7 8 hours 10 hours 12 hours that i spent in the hotel i was working in a five star hotel so they did have a good collection of tea uh, and i would always choose the tea that i liked and while i was at the bar uh, there was always an inventory for alcohol so the controls would come check on how much alcohol but nobody really bothered about tea so you know uh, nobody even cared about who was drinking the tea so it was all right so you know, that way i think i was quite lucky to be able to drink good quality tea throughout and i like tea which has which is been infused you know the for at least 3 to 5 minutes so i would always go to the back area pour a cup of tea or a pot of tea in the silver silver pot and whenever i had a little time i would just rush back and then strain the tea and add some milk and keep it there so and i would always go back and have my sip all the time when you got into bartending what was the beverage industry like and how what is the change that you've seen over the years so basically cocktail culture or let's say bar culture did not really exist it was purely about if you wanted a good drink and if you wanted to uh, have a good quality alcohol you would have to get into a five star hotel so only the five star hotels had good bars uh, they were not the best bars but definitely much better bars uh, there were hardly any bars any bar outside of hotel so the beverage was very restricted the great or good quality bars and beverages were restricted more to hotels only uh and of course some of the rich people had their collection of alcohol at home but it was very restricted to there until until the early 2000 i think the early 2000s when things started to open up more restaurants outside of hotels more bars outside of hotels and automatically you know you could then see better quality bartenders also emerge it wasn't a very evolved bar culture at all there was just basic drinks you know even even cocktails weren't that popular so it was just regular straight drinks i think the most if you made a bloody mary people would just look at you oh that's a bloody mary you know i still remember you know most of the hoteliers even they were not very well versed or well tuned with uh, the beverages so you know if you if you were somebody who knew a little bit more about wines or whiskey uh, you were looked upon with a lot of respect because you know you were the most knowledgeable person it wasn't a cultural thing i think it happened much later even tea and coffee was not you know like coffee was just coffee you knew cappuccino uh you you know because we were in a hotel so we knew cappuccino we knew uh espresso we knew ristretto uh but even americano was not very really popular right so uh even coffee was very limited nobody really cared about which what kind of beans and you know just standard way of making coffee and then standard way of making tea it also worked in changing the perception of uh, both what a car, what a bar should be and what a bartender's role is and you've spoken a lot about that i mean you've sort of taken it on yourself to change this perception why is that yeah yeah absolutely because you know one is about you know i'm at the stage of my career where you know it's not about uh finding security anymore it is about being able to continue doing what you're good at what you love doing uh, that's very important uh, so it is not about security anymore in the beginning it was about finding your space it's 
now you've been able to find that space you are very much well settled you have a good good foundation but apart from that because i have always enjoyed what i did i've always had a great time being in the beverage space being in the bar space uh, i think it's always nice to you know every time i talk to people it's always nice to share those moments and when i share those moments it's all not just about working in a fancy place it is about creating that atmosphere being in that space or being in that atmosphere and a lot of the responsibility lies in the hands of the bartender or the drivers of the business so you know we are not just people who fix drinks we create atmospheres right uh, so it's not does not have to be making you know a fancy cocktail all the time you could just be serving a beer but you could be this one person who makes all the difference for everybody around you that you are the nerve center of the operation and that is why i keep talking about it saying how important it is to make sure that uh the, the profile of the job profile of a bartender is beyond just cocktail cocktail is one of the nine 100 things that you do there are 99 other things that you need to be good at and in order to be good at it you got to enjoy the moment you got to enjoy the space you got to enjoy people their conversations you know and there's a lot of learning throughout right uh, and that's 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 how it becomes more interesting for you as well as for the consumer and i think tea and coffee both also sort of fit into the space as a catalyst for conversation in a way uh, for you when did tea come into play as cocktails how did that happen i know recently you've done some collaboration bombay sapphire and karma kettle as well but how did it all start i'm sure you would have heard of this cocktail called long island iced tea yeah. it's a very popular drink and it's very very popular in the 90s very big is very american driven interestingly it's called a long island iced tea but it has coke in it right and uh, i remember at the hyatt it used to be one of those you know fast selling cocktails as well and people drank it not because it was good to taste people drank it because it probably was great value for money so they thought uh, i do not know if it's great value for money or not but i remember once doing a long and iced tea with tea in it so i said why is it called a long and iced tea there's coke why can't we just put tea and if you want to make it sweeter you can always add sugar right so i remember making a long and iced tea with with tea in it and not the coke and uh, i remember a few guests who loved it with tea so they used to come back to the polo lounge and every time i they ordered the long and iced tea i used to make it with tea. not the finest tea but definitely black tea in it so that was my first uh thought about why can't we do tea but i never had the opportunity you know it also you know i wasn't uh as matured as a bartender as well so for me also it took a little time and much later uh when i left the hotels and i was on my own and i started working with brands and i still remember a whiskey company a whiskey brand approaching me and saying we would like to take the cocktail route for a activation and this was a scotch whiskey brand a blended scotch whiskey and they said uh, what are the various ways in which we could do a signature serve and i remember telling them whiskey with water is very popular and i told them that listen tea is flavored water right so all that we are doing is we're just adding more flavor to that water in which you are mixing your whiskey with so why can't we do whiskey and tea once that acceptance was good and it also kind of excited the brand managers when then i started exploring tea further right okay now it does not just have to be tea we need to define the tea aspect as well you know so the whiskey has a certain character certain flavor what could be the correct tea to be mixed with that whiskey so that they complement each other and there's no conflict right so that is where 
the maturity came in as I started to think more about the varieties of tea that could be used, right from green, unfermented to semi-fermented to full fermented black tea, right? So the different styles of tea that could go with different styles of whiskey. Uh, so, and you know, with every experiment, with every thought, with every tasting, it only kind of started to get better. And how did that taste? How did the whiskey pair with black tea? Were you happy? It was brilliant. Oh yes, when you are hungry and you are in a in a situation where you can choose what you want to eat is when you when the then the taste the the flavor profile then rules then you decide what you want to eat you might just ran, not randomly pick up so when you have the privilege to choose what you want to eat and what you want to drink is when the 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 profile of the flavors come into play and it's a human tendency and that is where the whole drinking experience also comes into play when you have enough in front of you in terms of the choice of whiskey and if you only have water you know it's just one experience but when you when you have more than beyond water to mix with and uh, if you are open to experimenting and if you're somebody who is much more evolved well traveled and you are okay to experiment i think that's where you find your combination so it does not mean that you have to, or you, everybody has to love whiskey and tea i think there are people who love that that profile of the drink so there's just not a single way of, you know, just a whiskey is not always necessary that whiskey has to be with soda. Right? Whiskey can be with water and it can also be with flavored water and it can be all kinds of flavored water. It could be water that has been flavored with herbs and tea is a type of herb and it could be green herbs. It could be tea as one of the herbs. So it could just be flavored water of all kinds. And uh, some of it might appeal to a certain consumer. And with tea itself, there's both the straight teas and also the flavored blends. Do you have a preference in terms of what you'd like to use when you make a cocktail? Yeah, so certainly it depends upon. So if I have to make a cocktail, it depends upon what alcohol. So if I'm choosing an alcohol which is rough, so if I'm choosing an alcohol which is where the role of the alcohol is limited. So if let's say if I get an alcohol where the alcohol does not really, let's say if it is a good quality vodka, where it is, the vodka is only about alcohol. It does not have its own very strong flavor and character, right? So it only lends that base of alcohol. Over there, one can play around. So that's where I could probably use, you know, tea which has flowery notes, tea which is... So then the ruling flavor or the ruling characteristic for the cocktail becomes the second ingredient, which is not the vodka, but probably whatever else that we use. So like vodka and oranges would taste like oranges, which has been spiked, right? So, but the flavor of orange still remains. Mm. Right? It's an alcoholic oranges. Similarly, uh, with tea also the same thing applies. But when we go beyond that, when we go to, let's say, a finer alcohol, where it has nice, delicate flavor notes, or, you know, if it has the richness of you know, the earthy flavors present in it, there are some spirits which has more citrus notes present in it. There are some spirits which has flowery notes or caramel, you know, chocolate, so depending upon what characteristic the alcohol has, uh, we need to choose the tea accordingly. You know, So let's say if I'm making a nice interesting martini with gin, and if the gin is rich in terms of its aromatics, then I would probably, I, I could use a lot of tea, which is not just tea. It is also tea which has been blended with other herbs, mm. like tea which has flowery notes, or tea which has citrus notes. You know, you also get teas with different... Uh, styles of blends, right? So that's where you could be more experimental and see what works with that particular alcohol. But if it is a nice, delicate spirit, 
where the spirit also has to show its presence within the drink is when you make sure that then you need to choose a tea which is a good balance of the two flavors it's not conflicting again it's about the right balance right and all those things matter uh, the second important thing is the measure and what ratio right you know it should not be too much of tea it should not be too much of spirit i think the right balance the right measure is also important and i figured out that sometimes uh, it, it makes a great tasting drink when it's in the ratio 1 is to 1 and sometimes it makes a great tasting drink when it is the ratio 1 is to 2 so even that ratio will matter a lot well i think a lot of the purists would want to stick with tea the way they've always had it but with with more people who with the market changing and more people who want to sort of take to look at tea to make it more interesting cocktails seem to be a great way to sort of showcase the versatility which otherwise you don't associate with tea particularly with darjeeling i think uh, always thought of it as a base sophisticated tea how then can we take darjeeling and bring it into people's lifestyle uh, or what would you like to see happening more with darjeeling tea i think the stakeholders you know and i have always said this to you know i worked in the past with a couple of estates or you know it was a nice collaboration between us aba and certain estates and i've always spoken to the promoters at the and i always said that you guys as stakeholders of the tea business need to come together and then promote tea it's like let's say and i always cite examples of alcohol you know uh, until 10 years ago india was not a country where gin was so popular people drank more whiskey and people invested in whiskey you know, nobody would buy an expensive gin everybody would buy an expensive whiskey if you had the money but you would not buy expensive gin gin was like kisi ko pina to pilenge you know otherwise it wasn't something that people fancied but then it became popular on the other part of the world and then what also happened is then there were gin makers in india and especially in the last 4 5 years what has happened is there are at least 15 to 20 new gin that is there in indian market made by indians but all of them are making and talking about it i know for sure that only 4 to 5 of them will survive and do well the balance 15 will kind of fade away but the fact that all 20 participate to promote gin and craft gin has helped the category right similarly in the tea space also i think what will happen every stakeholder right from the tea board of india to the tea growers the tea planters the tea sellers the tea marketers all of them need to come together and speak about tea and upgrade tea and tea has to be the biggest problem with tea is especially darjeeling tea is it is like very old school you know that uh, it's very old school and until unless you know you kind of make it cool like coffee is cool you know you can walk into a coffee shop and you're perceived as the cool guy sitting in the coffee shop coffee shop working uh, in his laptop and figuring out stuff but uh, so coffee has always been marketed as this cool thing right a cool drink whereas tea has always been that sophisticated stuff i was in sri lanka last week and i landed into a hotel and they the sri lankan host they said we'll meet you today at 4 o'clock downstairs in the lobby and there's a high tea and i went there and there was a proper high tea in the lounge right so it came with scones and uh, and you know when we were talking about conversations in alcohol i said yeah tea could be conversation you have the time you know it's like that whole high tea ceremony is almost like 2 hours you keep on sipping on tea you have these small little muffins and sandwiches and scones with cream uh, but that is very old school where you have a lot of time like so there are different ways the high tea culture was very english right 
and the, and the coffee culture came mostly the fact that you know the the Starbucks of the world and Costa Coffee of the world made it look or feel very cool. So it was a very American-driven concept. So it was for the younger lot, you know, you're too stressed out in your office, you take a coffee break, or you can bring a coffee to your desk and you start working. So it is all about that. But tea has not been perceived in that way. Tea is always like when you have the time, your mind is relaxed, that is when you drink tea. No, you can still drink tea when you're working, right? So it also has to be marketed in that way and made cool. You know, you need to have these interesting teas. And I think some of them, like Karma Kettle, uh, these guys have been very experimental in tea and they've made tea more approachable, right? Uh, and that is, I think there is a lot of work to be done because also tea was something that was bought by, born, you know, bought by the British into India. Uh, although the Assam tea always existed, the the Camellia sinensis was brought in. And... Uh, for them, it was the they took all the good quality tea outside of the country. They marketed it elsewhere and made it their culture. But what they gave for the locals was dust and fannings, and that's why we cook tea even till today because yeah. it is always nice when it is cooked. And because we always drank for the last hundred and fifty years, we always drank tea that was of the cheapest quality. Uh, we always take it for granted. <laughs> so teas like chai, you know, so that yeah. you know, so nobody really gives it the thought. But I think as we progress and as consumerism grows within a country, uh, there is great amount of opportunity for us to talk a little bit more about tea. Uh, and then, you know, stakeholders have to do it. The more we talk, uh, the more we exchange ideas, the way more we appreciate tea genuinely amongst ourselves, that tea culture will kind of graduate to the next level. The whole craft gin movement and how there are lessons to take away for tea. Uh, when you go to Darjeeling, do you feel optimistic what you see? Do you think there's a way to revive the industry if people come together? What needs to be done? And what do you see? Totally. I think if you have, uh, and I think that change is coming in. Uh, you know, most of the traditional tea owners have sold off their state. So it's the new, you know, the, most of the tea estates, especially in the 85 old days, or tea estates in Darjeeling, they've been now. They've, they've changed hands, right? So uh, a lot of them who actually bought over these estates were not tea lovers. They were basically people who were into other businesses. They had a lot of money. They bought the estate purely because they thought it was a great opportunity and it cost them peanuts. They bought over the estate. But what I see now is a lot of their, uh, you know, the children who have studied abroad come back and they know that they have a strong financial background support they have they're all business families but the fact that they've gone abroad they've studied they've traveled the world and they don't want to just do a regular thing they don't want to just carry on with their father's business they want to actually do something of their own i've seen a lot of youngsters who've taken over the, over the estate from their parents and bought in a lot of newer stuff right right from tea tourism to doing more innovative style teas and i think that's a great thing to see and I'm very optimistic that uh, these things will change, right? So if you look at most of the tea bushes in Estate of Darjeeling, I think it's more than 120 years old. So they all withered their old tea. It needs replantation. I'm a bartender. The more I love my craft, uh, it will only get better. Right? But if I look at it only from a business point of view, I will only look at profit. It does not work. Right? So I think it's the same thing even with tea. You know, it's, you know when people get connected to, to the to the whole idea of tea is when uh, they will bring in newer ideas, they'll bring in more innovation, and it will kind of improve. And uh, 
I'm sure it will do really well. Uh, that change is being seen now. It's gradually it's slow, but it started to happen. Take, for example, Sri Lankan tea. It is exactly the same, right? It is much younger than Indian tea. But it has become amongst one of the world's most popular styles of tea. Like Sri Lankan tea is very sought after. And every time I go to Sri Lanka, I enjoy Sri Lankan tea. Very nice. And it is not as, I still see great potential in Darjeeling tea because the kind of fragrance that you get in Darjeeling tea, you don't get in any other tea anywhere in the world. So there's something unique about tea. It's just that you need to realize and understand that you could actually bring in a very unique offering. The reason why it sells is for all of those connoisseurs, they're ready to pay very, very high price for Darjeeling tea. And that's the biggest advantage, right? And I think it needs to be marketed well. And it needs to be propagated in a nice way by all stakeholders. And I'm very uh, confident that it will do, do really well. Yeah, and people, I think within, it, I, I think Darjeeling tea does really well outside of India. But I feel it will start to do well even within a country. A lot of our own in-house consumers will start to appreciate it. Well, I fully agree. I think for so long, the Indian market has not been introduced to Darjeeling or it has not been accessible and even at times slightly intimidating. Um, so now just to sign off with a cocktail note, if you had to create a cocktail called Darjeeling, Young Dup, what would that have? No, it's definitely it'll have the second flux. Uh -huh. um, you know, two years ago, we did a collaboration with my bar sidecar and Makai Bari because the owner had come to the bar and he was very excited when he got to know that I'm from Gayabari and his tea estate is called Makaibari and it's just like uh, across the hill it's, and it's from Kushyam. So he invited me over to his estate. I went there, I stayed there. Uh, I did a visit to his estate and it was really wonderful and it, it gave me a lot of excitement because it was something very local and I was really, really excited to use this collab. And we made a drink called the Dodgling Nail, right? It was blended whiskey. Uh, the tea, the the cocktail itself is called Darjeeling Nail, named after the the very popular train that still plies between. In the olden days, it used to be between Shalda and the main Siliguri Junction. Now it is NJP to Shalda, you know, and it's a night train, and it's a very popular train which most of us take when you go to Calcutta, right? So the the tea, sorry, the cocktail is named Darjeeling Nail, and it was a very simple second flush with a little balanced, slight touch of bitters. Uh, with a blended scotch whiskey and it was not a very premium blended whiskey we just picked an entry-level blended whiskey so you know on the lines of a red label or a black and white so it was very approachable not very expensive but something that is nice and soothing uh, and a tall drink so yeah if it is has to be a signature cocktail it will always start with a second flush because that is something that i enjoy myself the most Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.